not live yet, but we might oh, be at any moment. We are. I think now we it are. Says, now it says it's live. So it's another episode of The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl with Ooh. a little bit of possible geek substitution. We'll talk about that here in a second, but <laughs> thanks for joining us live or possibly after the, uh, after the fact. I'm really excited today because along with myself, uh, The Critic, and Danae, The Girl, is our stand-in geek right now, which is John Snowden. John, hello. Hey, nice to be with you. Thank you. Uh, John is a bit of a geek. You're a tech guy, right? That's right. So My you background can... is in programming and helping. Uh, I'm a vice president of a tech company right now. Oh well, there you go. So total uh, geekness. Yes, absolutely. And and by the way, Captain Logan may be joining us in a bit. Uh, he wasn't sure if he could make it in or not, so he may be he may be coming here in a bit. But I wanted to get to this. Wanted to respect your time, especially uh, because you are actually in Kathmandu. Is that right? Nepal. That's right. I'm in Kathmandu, Nepal. <laughs> that is uh, that is not here. That is a ways away from here. <laughs> that is a long ways from you. That's so, right. whereas it's 11.21 in the morning here, what time is it there? It is 10.06 p.m. Whoa. Now, is that is that the future? Is that 10.06 p.m. Saturday night or 10.06 p.m. Yeah, Friday night? It's Saturday night. We're ahead of you. So, uh, I know that you'll have a good Saturday because it was a good day today. <laughs> You're in the future, the future. Oh. You've always wanted to time travel, and you're doing it right now with Google Hangouts. So cool. All right, so we'll we'll get into more of why John is joining us because uh, I'm really excited about this. But first, of course, Danae, oh. you, have to, you have to do the theme song. Yeah, I, I made a special uh, post-it note for the, our guest geek today. So we'll so it goes. Let's see, the critic. He's legit the geek. He's our guest. He's the perfect fit. The girl. She's the perfect fit. It's the critic, the geek, and the girl. Very nice. Very good. It's always my favorite part of the show. Uh, okay, so here is who John Snowden is. John, now correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the were the official biblical advisor for the uh, movie Noah, starring Russell Crowe, uh, Crow, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Is that correct? That's correct. So you okay. were you were hired by Paramount to help them understand and to have input on how their telling of the story is similar or different to what's in the Bible. That's right. So when Paramount said yes to Darren, they wanted to make sure that there was an active voice involved that would be sort of advocating for and thinking of the Christian audience. And my background is in ministry, and uh, I have a love for theology. And they saw me as a person that could sort of provide that voice pretty well. So, yeah. So I know that there's some things you can talk about and some things you can't, because there's non-disclosures and those kind of things. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about the hiring experience? Like, how did they find you? How did you get involved with Paramount? All that kind of stuff? Yeah, did you have coffee yeah. with them? What happened? <laughs> we did lunch. That's what ah. we do. Um, <laughs> I was a youth pastor in West L.A., and West L.A. is where a lot of Hollywood people make their homes. So naturally, in my youth ministry experiences, I was always interacting with people in the entertainment industry. I have a very, very light background in, uh, in the entertainment industry, i.e. I moved to Los Angeles initially to pursue acting. I had studied acting back, back in the day, almost 20 years ago. Um, so I, I had some of the language and I had some of the, the uh, ability to interact with artists and stuff, but I was in no way involved sort of functionally in the entertainment industry. Uh, I was a youth pastor of a group of kids who from first grade through 12th grade, I basically pastored them. And uh, once they graduated, I also uh, went back into sort of the private non-ministry workforce. And at that point, one of the kids' parents approached me uh, about working on the film because he works uh, for Paramount. So I talked to him. He told me about the film. It sounded really interesting, and I thought, hmm, I'm not sure. Hollywood kind of tends to jack with stories a lot, and uh, what are they going to do to the Bible? And so he, he had me read the script, and he was like, you, you may read this and be like, I don't want anything to do with it, or you may read it and love it, and I really want to hear just your honest feedback. So I read it, and I thought it was totally exciting, and uh, I gave him about... 13 pages of <laughs> typed up <laughs> notes that I of just things that came to mind and as I was just kind of flowing while I was reading it and went in to meet the the producer talking to the producer uh, and 
a couple of the producers actually had a great like three hour conversation and kept talking about God and Jesus. And I was, I was certain that they were going to say, well, thanks for all the input, but uh, we're going to find somebody else to, to do this role. Uh, <laughs> But they, they kept actually asking me more and more questions, and it was just it was just a really easy kind of fit for uh, the relationship, both business and uh, theology and conversationally. It, it was very fascinating, kind of encroaching into the, like the intensely secular industry, talking about theology and Jesus. And I, so anyway, I, that's where. I, that's that's amazing, and I have a ton of questions. I do want to say it does appear as if Captain Logan has joined us. Uh, so you know, he's probably getting his mic and stuff set up. Yeah, he's probably getting stuff set up and maybe joining us here in uh, a little bit. So that's exciting. Um, Hi, Captain but... Logan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the first question that comes to mind is, um, why do you think they, you know, what was the impetus for them wanting someone like you? What do you think their like primary goal was in bringing along somebody who is close to the Christian culture? to, you know, have that conversation with? Yeah, so uh, Paramount is, uh, they're a business. They, their goal is to invest in adventures and make money off of them. And they knew that for, a, for them to go and produce a film like this and fund a film like this, that they needed to enlarge that audience as much as possible. So uh, the, the problem is often on any film that a, a a creative team has their own sort of natural inclinations and they, they have their artistic vision and they want to make the, they want to make what they want to make and that's totally understandable um, but uh, a studio like Paramount wants that audience to be as large as possible and so they knew that it was going to be very important that uh, there was a Christian voice who understood theology, understood how to read a script and how to talk to people who are writing scripts and have those types of conversations to raise kind of issues or challenges or concerns and uh, kind of iterate through a process of um, development. Hey, Captain Logan, hey, are Captain you there? Logan. Okay, oh. we don't have sound on you. Not yet. You're almost there. Picture has this loaded. Is, this is like this is like Captain history. Logan. We've never had somebody join in the middle of a live broadcast, oh. so we'll probably have a, a couple technical difficulties to work through. But we'll we'll get you in on this conversation. Danae, anything come to your mind as we're talking about this? Yeah, I was wondering if you think that um, if you think that maybe your voice and your ability to kind of um, express maybe the Christian perspective during this filmmaking process, do you think that it helped them with addressing the potential backlash that's happened with the film not being, you know, like 100% biblical? Do you think you have helped them? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly there is, what I've talked to a, a, talked about at this point was the sort of the early creative process, but there was right. a whole side later on about kind of helping them understand what, what types of things were going to be said and mm -hmm. what types of responses were reasonable from a theological standpoint. And obviously there's going to be disagreements and, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to read the text this way and that way, and somebody else is going to read it that way and this way. And it's going to, it's going to create a debate and that's, that's going to be natural. So what are really the approach that I took would be, I'd say, okay, well, here's your, here's your spectrum. The, this side of the Christian spectrum is going to see it this way. This side's going to see it this way. If you make this choice, you might be isolating this group. If you make this choice, you might be isolating this group. So, you know, it, Kind of presenting it that way, um, and how how the different um, justifications that I came to, because I had to come to justifications or understandings of everything that was in the script. So I I, I had a whole bunch of basically apologetics for, for my own <laughs> sort of approach to the film uh, that I had to go through to make sure I was comfortable with the content that was being put out. Wow. You got audio, Captain Logan? I think so. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Yay. Hi. Greetings. Uh, Captain Logan, this is John Snowden. John is was the official biblical advisor on Paramount's Noah, and uh, John, this is the geek of the Critic Geek and the Girl, and uh, Captain Logan. So, um, it's great to meet you. How you doing, John? Good to meet you, man. Yeah, so we're, we're just kind of talking about the process, kind of the early parts of the process, and kind of how you know that went with Noah. And I think it's interesting because 
you look at the subculture of religion or Christianity or those kind of things, and you see actually more and more movies coming out that are targeting that subculture. Do you feel like when you were approached for Noah that that was part of their goal, or do you feel like they wanted to make a movie that they knew would impact that subculture, so they wanted to kind of have an end to their thoughts? So uh, it's a that's a interesting question, and it, the first of all, I, I think that the 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 easy answer, the easy thought is that. Um, Everyone wants to capitalize on the passion of the Christ. You know, like that did so well financially that, you know, but nobody's quite figured out how to do it since. And I, I think that that's a very superficial kind of business idea. And I don't think it was on Paramount's mind. In fact, um, what the executives there said is like, we, we don't believe this is going to be a passion of the Christ. It's not going to reach reach a Christian audience like uh, like that did. Uh, but we do think that it really can be accessible to Christians. And uh, the person who was approaching me from Paramount was a believer, or is a believer, and um, very much saw it as an opportunity to try and build a bridge between the, the work world that he's in and the, the faith world that he's always um, participated and obviously believed in. And uh, So it was really... Uh, it was really an opportunity for both. Um, that the Passion of the Christ did a f fantastic job of engaging a Christian audience. Um, what it didn't do a fantastic job of was, was engaging a non-Christian audience. Um, so what we always saw Noah as being a great opportunity was to actually engage uh, both both poles of the audience. And uh, I, I, it's it's a unique opportunity that with a guy like Darren Aronofsky directing it, he's got a, a a following of fans who they would they would go see any movie that he makes and they're not going to be offended by anything. Uh, but then there's the Christian audience who who does have reason to say, "Whoa, hold on, this this might be offensive or this might be too much." Or uh, so it's 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 been quite an interesting balancing act from Paramount's standpoint, I'm sure, um, from mine and from everyone's. Captain, what kind of uh, what kind of questions pop to your mind as we talk about this stuff? Well, um, not not a question yet, so much as a comment. Uh, if I can bring kind of some of the geek side of this for a second, um, Aronofsky is uh, definitely lives in a comic book kind of world, and a lot of uh, and John, I'm sure you know this. A lot of his stuff he either realizes as a comic book first or publishes as a comic book and then um, and, and then like simultaneously starts to build a film while even if the comic book isn't selling or even if nobody ever reads it. Um, Noah was, was, was done that way, and uh, it was, in fact, the graphic novel uh, just came out a couple weeks ago, but existed as kind of a template, you know, that, that he made saying, here's the piece, this is what we're going to film, and, um, you know, comics work great that way as, a, um, as, as storyboards. And so, um, and, and so, uh, to to kind of comment on on something you just said, it seems to me like part of the way to bring the two sides of this together is to just make an epic, just may you know you know like it 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 wouldn't have to appeal to um, non Christians in the sense of we're going to use this to try to make everybody into into believers. You know, you don't have to do that. Um, they didn't try to do that with the Ten Commandments. So you, you know, you just do that again. And that's, that's where those kind of comic book sensibilities come into play, I think. I think that's a great point. And uh, when I when I make the comment that it engages a, a wide variety of audience on both poles, I think you're you're hitting it right there. That um, Paramount isn't certainly is not coming at it as we're going to use this to convert people by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. They're using it to they they want to they want to sell entertainment and they that's their product. They do it really well and they they wanted to entertain both sides. Um, I, of course, have my hidden agenda uh, that I like to share um, faith stories and talk about faith and the gospel of, with as many people as I can because that's kind of who I am. But <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, actually, a little tidbit: uh, the the um, the uh, the graphic novel was actually the first thing I read. I didn't read the script; I read the graphic novel first back in April of 2012 because it actually came out in French before it came out in English. Oh, so I don't, I don't know any French, but I was just looking at the pictures and getting, um, getting a visual, like, in, a very interesting idea of what, where he was going with the film, and it was, it was very interesting. So as you're reading that, uh, that French graphic novel, did you have the, the same rea reaction as I did when I saw the movie for the first time, which is, oh, okay, rock monsters, that's the direction we're going, got it. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> yep. uh, Danae, what, do you, you have... what do you do with the Nephilim, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, Danae, did you have anything else that you were... Your th oh, I should mention, um, before we get to kind of the next question from us, if you have a question for John, uh, and All I can't right. see the... Hey, you know... Very professional. So you know, we just need Hello, to show I'm, on, I, I'm on TV. I gotta go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would let you know. You can actually ask John a question if you're at the uh, Google Plus event page. All you yes. have to do is click on Q and A, type in your question, send it. We'll all see it, and uh, and John can answer that uh, for you. So more than happy to do that for you if you put those Q and A uh, up. And in fact, probably John, you could probably even monitor the comments in this YouTube video once it's live on YouTube, and you know maybe answer some questions there as well. Um, so, One of the things that you know I, I really like that you said is the the bridge um, that this is seen as an opportunity as a bridge between telling a story that outside of maybe where the Christian realm would go about the story, and that there's similarities. So if you're sitting in the audience, you are going to be familiar with the story, but then also surprised too. And I think any time that we're taken outside of our comfort zone, you know, um, in any kind of way, it kind of asks us it. For, like, What's going on here? How do I feel about that? And I, I do think that that's a, a positive thing. Um, I understand people are going to get passionate. It's like any time you feel like you, you have ownership of a story or you have ownership of something that's going on, you're going to want to be in control of the outcome of it. And so I'm sure there's been a lot of passionate responses to, uh, to the film or to anything. Um, but I think about in my life, not just films, but conversations about video games or books that I read or things like that that maybe the Christian culture would be like why are you reading that but it is a bridge there's people that I talk to that are very passionate about things that I enjoy that maybe somebody else doesn't enjoy and it it allows us to have a conversation and kind of meet someplace that I'm supposed to be able to meet somebody not everybody and so in that way I really enjoyed that this film did something kind of outside of the box even though I have not seen it I really enjoyed, you know, reading about the the posts that people are making and the the questions that would pop up on feeds and the back and forth conversations. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. So I think it's a good thing. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I I I love conversation. I think that conversations are are key to engaging with culture, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not to not to suggest that scripture or truth isn't. Of course, uh, that's that's ultimately what grabs our hearts. I believe, um, but the initial ability, sort of the, at the, the the beginning of that process, is conversation, and we have to build relationship. Uh, that's built on some level of trust and commonality. So I, I love that. Thanks, Tanae. Yeah. I don't know if we've mentioned, uh, do, I think we did at the beginning, actually, but John is joining us from Nepal, um, and which is very, very different time zone than here. Uh, what are you doing in Nepal? I don't think we've talked about that. Yeah, so I moved here about a year and a half ago, um, which actually, I, I can tie this in with Noah. So the day I... Uh, I got a job offer to move here to Kathmandu uh, to become, I'm now a vice president of a company called Cloud Factory, and our mission is to um, connect a million people in the developing world to basic computer work while raising up, them up as leaders to address poverty in their own communities. Wow. So it's a, it's a big, ambitious, crazy, awesome, exciting adventure that I'm on, and I got that job offer on a Thursday. And literally that same week on Sunday I, was when I was approached by uh, Paramount to work on NOAA. And so suddenly my life went from being kind of a, a, a cubicle-born computer programmer to, uh, <laughs> to, to very different opportunities. And actually both, both, uh, both job offers said, well, go ahead and choose whichever one you want to do, but you can't do both. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, I'm, so I've, you know, we prayed about it, talked to my wife a lot, talked to a whole bunch of different people, entertainment industry people, um, tech company people, overseas living people, you know, just every sort of input that we could get. And eventually we just, we decided that we really, we felt led that God was leading us to Nepal. And so I called Paramount and I said, okay, well, uh, I'm, I've, I've decided I'm moving to Nepal. And uh, so if, if you want to find somebody to replace me, I will help you until you find that person. And, uh, and he said, well, okay, but what if we just made it work from Nepal? 
everything <laughs> everything's online. I mean, everything's digital, and you know, you'll have to make a few trips, and you know, we'll we can make we can make this work. And I was like, well, wow. okay. So then I had to go talk to my other my other new boss and say, hey, well, they're offering me this, and here's the terms of the. It's five to ten hours a week. I could, I think I could make it work if I got a couple of weeks off, and and uh, basically I got everyone to agree to it. So wow, it was kind of a fun, that's awesome. fun process. Yeah. So I was actually in Los Angeles from April until September working on Noah, but Noah was filming in New York, so I had to make a couple trips out to New York. Um, and then once September came, I moved September 2012. I moved to Nepal. So. Wow. What kind of what kind of emotions have you experienced in the you know the response to the movie? You being so intimately involved in it, kind of putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Um, how has that impacted you now that it's come out and people are talking about it? You know, how is that for you? Yeah. Uh, so there, it's. It's one thing to be a like a movie director and somebody doesn't like your film, <laughs> you know. Like you, you, you know that that's going to happen. Um, but it's a different thing to be engaged in theology and have people tell you you're a heretic. Um, it, and I wasn't sure how I was going to respond. I knew it would come. I knew that there'd be some level of accusation in that realm. Um, but you know, it, honestly, the only way to avoid being criticized is just to stop doing stuff and stop talking. So. Uh, I figured it was worth the risk, and uh, I I have found a, a very very good happiness at just being able to read people's criticisms and say, okay, that person disagrees with me. Um, what I have had a harder time with is when people assail the character of um, people involved in the film or of Christians who go to the film and enjoy it. Right. That's where I that's where my knee kind of has that jerk <laughs> and I start to start to react and say you know what you may not like this you may be offended or you may feel like it's an offensive film but there are lots of Christian leaders out there and many Christian viewers who are enjoying it appreciating it and finding lots of good in it and so let's not call each other heretics let's just say I disagree I didn't enjoy that here's what I didn't like here's what I do differently I love comments like that um, I, I had somebody in my company the other day who he saw the movie and we we were having an all company meeting and just doing some fun updates and he stood up and he said oh, you know I saw the movie I saw Noah and I didn't like it and uh, and I, I it really didn't bother me it didn't frustrate me or I didn't have like that I didn't I, I was glad that I could kind of release that and just say okay everyone's reacting differently. Um, but I will get defensive when people start to say, start to accusing. You know, I, I've heard a lot of like, "Oh, Darren must have this agenda to undermine Christianity and uh, and and take people away from their faith." And and I just think that's that's just crazy. That's nonsense. These are these are a couple of guys who just wanted to tell a story, and they had a great, incredible visual, visceral idea to tell it with, and. You know, more power to them. That it's a big risk for them to tell a Bible story. Anyway, I'm on my yeah. high horse. No, 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 no that's that fine. I, I really appreciated that, and that was one of the things I thought when I first heard Aronofsky was doing it was, wow, what a risk for him, you know, to take on something like this that you know there's going to be eyeballs on you. Yeah, well, and you I've seen a lot of I've I've seen a handful of of non non believers, skeptics, if you will. You know, before the movie came out, just they'd post on a forum or say, "Say, I'm not going to go see that. I don't like the source material." And you know, that's just that's that's okay. I'm not going to try to convince that person to go. Just like I'm not going to try to convince a Christian to go. Like, mm -hmm. I just, I if you want to go, go and enjoy it and have your own thoughts and opinions and responses. Like, good. I like that. I love that you said that. You know. And this is something that I've been experiencing as I've, you know, gotten to be in radio and things. There's more people that interact with me than I know. And there's people with different opinions about me and what I should do with my life or the things I should say or, or things like that. And I have had to kind of just do that thing, which thankfully my dad taught me, which is you can't please everybody. And if you try, you're going to be paralyzed. And you're, you are absolutely right to say that, the only option you really have is just to kind of try to disappear and be silent. And I think that there's just something in all of us that we have to, that we kind of get passionate about. And, you know, if we stay silent and we don't, we don't talk or we don't express ourselves, whether it's, 
you know, through our voice or music or art or whatever, you know, how does that get out there? How does that penetrate the darkness? And, you know, my version of what I can put out there is going to be very different from somebody else's, but we're not meant to compare. And so, you know, I hope that you feel encouragement. I'm glad you, you seem to have, you know, some good support that can kind of help you endure the scrutiny that, that happens, especially in this culture where there's so many more people that can interact with us anymore. You know, before it would be letters, written letters, or, you know, now Internet or all the different ways someone can kind of just reach out to people. It's a little bit overwhelming sometimes, and I can't imagine on that scale, on the scale of Noah or Paramount, and how much you have to kind of endure. And the sort of importantness that happens with building kind of some defenses between yourself and what you really need to care about, which is what I also heard you saying, and I really appreciated that as well, in that there are certain things that you need to get upset about. It doesn't mean that you're responsible for changing their minds, but there does come a point in time when you're just like, i got to stand up on this one because there's something in this that just needs to be addressed. Whether it changes the outcome or not, I need to like say something about this. And I think that's when righteous anger comes in. There's some things that are like, you know, Danae anger, like I personally just want to get mad about something or I'm going to let myself get angry about something. And then there's that other one where it's like, no, this is just really wrong. <laughs> and uh, and that's where it's nice to have support systems that can kind of keep you in check and know when to say something and when to not. So I, I definitely feel for you on what you've had to kind of endure in that way, but I hope you have a lot of encouragement and support too. Oh, thanks. You know, I don't mean to, get, make it, mean to make it sound horrible. It's actually been wonderful. Um, okay. I have lots of great great support. My my wife actually hasn't seen the film, but is very supportive anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got I've got some good support around me. In fact, one of the one of the I had a whole like group of eighteen people who went to the Katmandu premiere, um, which there was no red carpet. It was uh, I was the <laughs> only representative of the movie. Um, but uh, we had a big group around me, and uh, everyone, you know, had had really nice things and encouraging things to say, and uh, except for maybe one, but that's okay. <laughs> Cap, did you have any anything else you wanted to ask or say? Yeah, well, um, I I, I want to be super candid about this from an entertainment perspective. People just need to lighten the heck up on this, um, <laughs> seriously, uh, like, like, because you know you, you look at whether whether you are a Christian or not, whether you believe that the Bible is the actual word of God or not. There's a lot of really epic, interesting things to be mined there. You, you know, you know, you, if, you, if you look at, uh, if, if you look at the Bible as you would any other um, ancient text, uh, we go back to things all the time. You know, we go back to Mesopotamian stuff, we go back to Egyptian stuff, and we're constantly mining these things. And it's like, just because there are a lot of people that believe that, uh, that, that, that with this one, actually believe it, actually think that the God of the Bible is the real God, that you can't touch, that you can't mess with. That's preposterous to me. Um, it, just, it, it really is. And again, whether whether you're Christian or not, I feel like those kinds of things can be enjoyed on different levels. And what I got excited about with something like Noah, whether it whether the film is great or not, what I was excited about was that somebody went to, to, to that material and didn't aim it just at an audience. It wasn't like uh, the the Sky whatever that company is that makes the really low budget Christian films just for Christians and like like kind of they're super preachy but they're preaching to the choir so who cares and what's the point like 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 this it's just uh, it, it's just let's go to an ancient story just like we would say uh, Roman or a uh, Greek epic. You know, um, I feel like I, I feel like we can turn these kinds of things into entertainment, just like we would want to with the Odyssey or something. And I, like like I said, we used to do this, and people didn't used to freak out about it. Uh, like 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 with, like with something like the Ten Commandments. I don't know why we have to lose our minds over it. And yeah. uh, my, John, my question to you is, what do you think is the next biblical story that needs to be mined for an epic film? What have we not done yet? What have well, we? Let me I want to answer that, but I want to. I also want to hit on something that you you were saying, which I I uh, I mostly agree with what you're saying. I think that there's there's an element of needing to lighten up, but I also I also think there's a healthy there is a healthy response to say, you know what, this is scripture. This is important. We need to get this right. Um, 
but there's also needs to be room for messiness. That's where I would, you know, but like, it's not a biography. You're not making a documentary. Sure. Why can't we dramatize these things? When when you look at something like when you look at something like the story of Noah of Noah, and you're gonna make it into a two two and a half hour epic, you have to embellish on it because there's not that much there. You have to no, add exactly. monsters. You just have to. Well, no, you don't have. You don't have to do that. But I'm just saying, you know, when, 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 and, and John, forgive me if you disagree with this, but when, when, when people are, are saying, you know, you have to get it 100 percent right. Well, that is a 20 minute movie. Right. No, I, I'm not saying they need to get 100 percent right, but there needs to be a healthy respect at the core of it, at least, and that's that. That's where I think it's it's healthy for Christians to 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 have some level of cautious response. Now, I, I'm not in favor of the response that's been had. I, I don't. I, I would rather that the conversation have been between Christians and non-Christians rather than Christians and Christians. Um, I, I think that the, that yeah. has been sort of a, a misplaced argument or opportunity. Um, and I, I've actually gone to the extent where I've deleted comments on my Facebook page that were negative, not because I had the fear of having those conversations, but because I was in the middle of having other conversations that I wanted to have. Hmm. And um, that, that to me was, I, I just, there's a missed opportunity, I think. And, and lightening up's important. The, the whole idea that, that Darren and Ari were approaching this with was the idea of, of Jewish midrash. And what that is, is people who in their religious context would tell stories to dramatize the essence of a, of a different story. So they're not trying to literally tell the exact same story over and over. They're trying to use story to explore themes that are look that they believe are embedded in that story. So they very much saw justice and mercy and uh, an epic sort of end of the world redemption and, and, and salvation kind of story, which I thought was phenomenal that, that they're going there. And, uh, you know, like, my goodness, thank you for, for even wanting to explore that in a film. And one of the other things that's fabulous is they don't, they don't even blink for a second at trying to figure out, like, was this a global flood? Was this a local flood? Was this, um, was this just the Red Sea, you know, and a little, like, a little puny flood? They just go big. Like, there's, there's no sort of, like, skepticism toward the story at all. And, and, other Noah, like the Noah miniseries, I think it was NBC or CBS, like maybe 12 years ago, had, had you know, it was a local flood and Noah's out on his boat and then like a boat of pirates comes and, you know, like attacks their boat or something. Just silly stuff like that. And Darren and Ari just like, no, we're telling the biblical story of Noah. And you may not like the way they did it. They may not, you know, they may not have done it in the way that everybody wishes they would have, but they were telling the story of Noah. Now, Christian apologists are like bending over backwards to try to explain how on earth all of the animals would have fit in the ark. And it would have been possible if, if the word kind means uh, not two cobras, two rattlesnakes, two um, boa constrictors, but it just means two snakes. Um, because otherwise there'd be too many animals on the ark. Oh, and they need to be younger animals, otherwise they'd be too heavy and the boat would sink. And you know, they're they're sort of bending bending over backwards trying to prove how the flood worked. And and the Darren and Ari just said, All the animals are on the ark. We don't need to justify that. We don't need to have an apologetic apology for for why we put all the animals on the ark. I thought it was a very faithful sort of leap that, that I really appreciated. Well, I want to I want to let I want to let you get to uh, answering the the question about what's next. Um, but I also want to say what I hear you saying about the healthy respect I think is is valid, and I think goes for whether it's the Bible or comic book source material or whatever source material you're coming from. There is this balance of mining the story and telling your own story, but respecting the themes and the intent of the original authors. You know, whether it's Spider Man or Noah. You know, somebody's looking in that and going, okay, here's kind of what the author intended, and here's the story I can tell from that. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to just kind of let go because you don't really know how people are going to respond, and you hope that they're respectful, and you hope that they're, you know, uh, going about it in the most building up and edifying way as possible, but sometimes that doesn't happen, so. Yeah. I, I also want to say, too, that as a believer, uh, the other thing that I love thinking back on and resting on is that... Um, the only thing that we should really be concerned about as a Christian culture is that God sees the heart of the individual, and that is not for up to us to determine where somebody's heart is. So 
Uh, it's just that whole thing about judging where you think someone's coming from. It's a dangerous game to play. You're responsible for what's in your heart, and that's it. That's also awesome. I love it. Drop the mic. <laughs> oh. All right. So, do we want to, you want to talk about what you think is next? What do you think is the next big biblical story to to mine in that way? Well, I know the answer. The answer is Exodus because it's coming out in December. Oh, <laughs> but, but you already know. <laughs> that's an easy answer. There's more to it. I I think that there's there's a wealth of of biblical stories to be told. I I joked with um, Rob Moore um, at Paramount one day. We were sitting in a a meeting, and I said, Rob, you know if if this movie goes well, I know a few other Bible stories that you might consider. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we actually we've had some conversations about it and. Uh, I think, uh, well, I won't comment on what Paramount might or might not do, but uh, I think that there's incredible opportunity. I there there are obvious big ones that you know there's it's stories that everybody knows, like Jonah or um, David stories. There was a David movie made in the '80s, but it, it was paced so slowly that it, it just never really engaged. Um, had Richard Gere in it of, at his peak, um, sort of his early early rise, I guess would it be. Um, so I, I would love a Babel story, uh, not the Brad Pitt version. Uh, that's already been done. <laughs> but the uh, but I would actually love the story of the Tower of Babel. I think it's it would be a great sequel to Noah. Um, I, I would love to see a good David and Goliath story. I would love to see a good David and Saul story. There's, there's a lot of David material. Um, yeah, that David and Saul stuff is is yeah. pretty deep and pretty rich. There's it's powerful. Um, the risk is that we would get too long-winded with it, and uh, we try to tell it all rather than honing in on a part of it. I think that's, in my opinion, I think you're going to have a lot better success with this story if you focus, stay focused, hyper specialize. Um, see what what other things that I thought of. Uh, I think I, you know it's been done twice now, but I think there's I think there's room for a, a, an Esther telling that. I was just thinking Esther. I was gonna say wow. Esther. I know. My I know. I, I love the Esther story, and I think it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to criticize existing films, um, but I just don't think it's quite been done the way I would like to see it get done. Um, I think. I, Ezekiel, the the Valley of Dry Bones, like there's some awesome vision stuff there, um, but I'm not sure how that would work really into a sort of a three act plot. Um, Intertestamental stuff. I know Mel Gibson was exploring the Maccabean revolt, and I think that would be uh, actually a really great story to explore. I don't know what sort of the his slant on it was, or if it was just troubled for other reasons. Um, I think there's some great Paul stuff. I think there's some uh, some really interesting. Obviously, there's there's tons of Jesus material, um, but Son of God has has done a lot of that. And uh, Abraham, I love Abraham. I mean, I I couldn't, you know, I just there's so many stories from the Bible that I just get excited about. And um, yeah, I'd go Babel. That'd be my first one. Babel it is. I'm circling it on the list. Babel. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. Um, it's not straight Bible, but um, uh, early Christian uh, stories. So if you look at some of the sort of the early Christian fathers who have written some really cool theology and Irenaeus and different people like that. Am I saying the right name? Athanasius? I forget. I'm, I'm really weak when it comes to the memory. Um, but then there's a lot of persecution stories around Rome um, that I think could be really powerful. Um, really applicable, particularly in developing nations where persecution is still a very real thing today. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of contemporary faith stories that could be told. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 there's so much opportunity. So I, I hope that somebody out there who either loved Noah or hated it is inspired to write a screenplay that um, that explores a story in a in a interesting, unique, powerful, and engaging way. I'd love to see a story come out that um, showed like how human nature is flawed and that we're still able to have a relationship. I'd love to see mm -hmm. that happen. So, And I think that happens in stories all throughout the Bible, so no matter which one comes up, if there's a focus on not being perfect, 
because we can't be perfect, that would be yeah. that would be it for me. I'd I'd really enjoy seeing something that kind of had that more gritty feel. You know, like uh, a lot of these origin stories where they make these superheroes human. Well, it's almost opposite. We as humans get to be superhero-like because of something outside of ourselves we believe in. So anyone who can kind of nail that, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I like that. So, John, do you have any questions for us? For us, yeah, because yeah. we're so interesting comparatively. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you're all interesting. Um, so uh, I heard Aaron's review of, uh, of Noah, and I wanted Aaron to explain his position on vegetarianism in Genesis chapters 1 through 9. <laughs> <laughs> well, allow me to get out my thesis. Um, yeah, no, that was the one issue I mentioned that I had with the, the movie, and I have read some stuff since then um, that has adjusted that, nuanced that a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it did very much feel like the one thing that, as I read, you know, the story, didn't seem to line up because of the line in the Bible about providing the animals for eating and for sacrifice. The stuff I've read since then, though, says that that very much, you know, was the culture that, you know, that idea of animals being innocents was a very big part of, you know, who they were and what they meant, and that Noah could very well have, you know, been a vegetarian and, and treated things that way. So I'd probably back off from it a little bit just after having read that stuff. But even that was, you know, um, it was a minor thing. It wasn't like it was something that kept me from enjoying the movie. Um, sure. But, yeah, but I, I, just, I just like to eat meat, man. Nobody, nobody should tell me I can't eat meat. That's all I'm saying. I am a meat eater. I am a meat eater. So, um, I, I, uh, I, I, we've had a lot of conversations, like with, uh, like I'd have conversations with Darren and his whole team about vegetarianism and how that fits in the theology, and you know, like I, there were always great conversations. And I always, I always said this. I, the way I read it is, is what your initial take was, is that the seven clean animals were provided for food. Now it doesn't say that. In scripture, it says that to the seven clean animals, which could either be for sacrifice or food or both, or for some other reason that we don't know. Um, but yeah, we're we obviously reading we're reading the Torah into Genesis, early Genesis, which chronologically doesn't make sense. Um, but I said, if you take the most literal reading of scripture, you're right. Noah should be a vegetarian. And even though I don't actually read the most literal read of scripture on that one point, um, I, I totally think that you have a valid case to tell the story this way. I always and, love and the, the conversation. That, Go ahead. Well, I, but I, I will tell you the thing that bothered me about it, and the thing that I, does still stick in my craw a little bit, is that it, it almost changes the, the theme of the story. When that starts to happen... Uh, you know, I, I start to get a little off, which is it changes it from God sent the flood to, you know, um, to save the animals as opposed to, you know, punish, you know, our wickedness, which is, you know, that's a, that's a big shift for me. And um, I can understand how Noah would deal with thinking those things and wondering those things. And again, that's a huge theme in the movie is Noah dealing with why is this happening? Um but so that's where the vegetarianism thing kind of, you know, stuck in my craw a little bit is it changed kind of what I saw as one of the central themes of the story. Yep, that's I, and that's the most important issue to me is is every single conversation I had in the context of this film was uh, important only to the extent that uh, it had to do with what is God's purpose for humanity and why why was the flood needed and why why does God want us here at all? And so I kept having this conversation with them, um, which is... That must God have been created... so interesting. What's that? I said that must have been so interesting. I oh, it was so fun. Like, I this is this is sort of my wheelhouse, too. Like, I love Genesis 1 through, really up through 12, 3 is sort of my passion um, set of scripture to teach. Um, but but God, created, God created the world, and it was good. God created man... And suddenly it was very good. And that's very important. And actually, Genesis 1, 27, 28 repeats itself. For the first time in Scripture, it turns into poetry, and it's repetitive. And it says that God created man in his image and told them to go out, fill the earth. Uh, you can therefore assume he wants us to fill the earth with his image. And that's such a critical piece of theology. And what God is doing 
through the flood is answering the problem of sin. And when sin came into the world, it shattered that image. We're no, no, no longer reflecting the glory of God the way we were intended to. And the flood was necessary to reset humanity so that God could bring about Israel so that God could bring about Jesus to reflect his glory to everyone. And I had this conversation over and over and over and over um, because I, that's if, if I wanted anything in the film, I wasn't going to fight over the age of the kids. I wasn't going to fight over is Noah 600 years old or is he 49? You know, I, I wanted to fight over why did God create humanity and bring the flood? So Aaron, I totally, I hear it. And, uh, and there, you know, it, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's a reflection of, uh, it's a creative collaborative process where not everybody's going to come out in the exact same place in the final product. And I would, I would like it to maybe not be as much about the animals and more about the people. Very Did cool. I just say that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love the film. I really do. I, I, I'm proud of the film. I love the film. I love the filmmaker's vision. I love what they've done with it. I, if I say anything even remotely negative, it's please hear it in light of that. I just, yeah. Anyway, you, you're entitled to your own opinions too. You're a person too. Well, and I, I imagine <laughs> I can't imagine being that intimately invested in something and not coming out loving it. You know, it'd be, be you know, come yeah. part of the creative process like that. Uh, Danae, Cap, if you've got anything, any other questions, we can certainly get to Danae. What do you got? Nothing. I'm oh, you're holding. I'm feeling you're good. Holding up your finger. And so it's oh, like, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to today. Yeah. Danae, what do you need? There you Nothing. go. Much better. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Cap, you have anything else you wanted to, to bring up or mention or ask? No, I think I'm good. Hey, John, you want to stick around while we talk Captain America? I'd love to, sure. I haven't seen it, so I will, I'll learn more about it through you. All right. Well, that brings us to the second part of the show, which is reviewing Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I've been so excited to talk to Cap about this. Uh, because you are my go-to as far as you know, comic books and adaptations and those kind of things. I just go to it and go, oh my goodness, this is an amazing movie. You know, you have a lot of those little nuances that you can look at as well. Danae has not seen it. Uh, neither has John. Uh, so maybe we'll start there. Let's start with Danae. Danae, why didn't you want to see this? I don't want to. Okay, yeah, yet. I'm just not there the yet. Okay, okay. So sometimes when a movie comes out. And everyone's like, oh, you got to go see it. It's so good, blah, blah, blah. I just get this weird thing where I'm like, okay, okay, I'll get to it whenever. And it's not like I rush to go see it. Also, I was in D.C. last week. Kind of wasn't on my priority list. I was spending time with my family and visiting with my senators and congressmen over random thoughts in my mind because apparently that's part of our rights as American people. And then... (laughs) <laughs> I've never done that. I should do it's that. It's so crazy. I'm like, let's send them an email. They're like, sure, we can meet with you tomorrow at 4. I'm like, right, I can meet with you tomorrow at 4. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? So what do you want to talk about, Danae? Uh, well, I really am worried about farmers' rights because their crops are getting all jacky-pooed by the GMOs. <laughs> it was a little awkward a couple times. Anyways, I made my way through that one. Um, and then this last week has been kind of getting back into my groove, and even though it's been on my mind, last night was the only free time I had to see it, and I opted to spend time with friends and eat and laugh and have good times together rather than go to Captain America. Sorry. Did you have something with the the preview, though? I thought there was, like, you had... Um, oh, the preview. A, okay, yeah, so let's go there, because I know you were already against seeing this, even before this. Oh, the preview. Okay. All right. Okay. I think it was the preview when I was watching Gravity. So it was a IMAX, you know, really huge. And it was this elevator scene, right? And I'm so in it. I'm like, yeah, Captain America, bam, pow. And then the preview kept going for like 10 hours. And I see pretty much everything happen in the film. Maybe some people watch a preview and all the little flashes they don't keep them in their brain. But me, it's like, okay, now I know that's going to blow up. Okay, now I know that's going to blow up. Okay, now I know that's... And it just ruins. I just... What are you leaving in there for me? What What do I have to go look at now? Well, can I answer that question? Everything! Okay. <laughs> yes, answer the question, please. Yeah, yes, no, go ahead, Cap. Tell us what you thought of this movie. No, I just did. The answer is everything. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. And this is... And we've talked about this ad nauseum today. That, that, I know. Uh, 
the trailers tell you too freaking much. You I can't know. let that deter you from going, or you need to close your eyes or, or 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 do what Aaron does and make sure that you get into the into the movie after the previews have shown already, because you can't you can't let those ruin movies for you. The thing is, um, with this one. It, it's one of those movies that it looks like they've told you too much. You don't know anything. You don't really? know anything. Yeah. Because okay. there's so much going on in that movie. Um, Aaron, Captain America Winter Soldier is Marvel's best movie. It is their Good. That's what I thought. And I've seen it, and I've seen it twice now, and I feel like, and, and I, I don't have a lot of retrospect yet, but I, I, I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, we've done our initial review. We've done our hour spoiler podcast now. I've spent a lot of time with the movie. Um, I, I spent, I was working on my analysis of, uh, and, and, and by the way, John, the superhero analysis is sort of what, what I do for a living. And so I, I spent I spent all last week with, uh, with, with uh, First Avenger, so I was like, Intimately crazy familiar with that movie. Walking into this one, and um, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, it's it's so good. Like, why is everybody saying this? Why? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, I think it is it is maybe gonna go down in my top five. I think it might be that good. And I'm talking of of of, of superhero movies. And um, yeah, it's 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 a great. Um, it's really neat how it is a direct sequel to the first one, but in an entirely different genre. I think that's so interesting uh, that it, it manages to build on all of that history from First Avenger and uh, a lot of stuff that I kind of wanted to see in First Avenger that just couldn't happen because it bookends with present day, but the whole rest of it is is, is set in the 40s. Um, you you uh, you get all that in this, and so you I, and, and Aaron, I, I guess I'll try not to spoil stuff, but it's going to be really hard. Uh, you get you get like uh, um, stuff about uh, the the beginnings of Shield, and you get stuff about the about um, uh, Peggy, who uh, Captain America never actually got to go on a date with, and like all that all that stuff is filled in. Um, but it is a really good espionage thriller, and keeps you guessing all the way through. Uh, it's one of the most thrilling movies I've ever sat through. Uh, uh, not just but just ever, and uh, and if I were to retitle the film or give it like uh, or give it like a secondary title, I would call it Captain America: Winter Soldier or Get Fury, <laughs> because and Aaron, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, boy, I, I I never thought I would feel that scared for Nick Fury's life. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. And anyway, I can go on and on and on, but uh, take us in a direction, Aaron. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's interesting nice when, you, off, when you review when you review movies like this. It, it becomes a very interesting job because you don't just want to slobber all over it. You know, you yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. just want to keep pouring effusive words. But those are the only words that come to mind because it's just such a fun experience. And I remember feeling this way after watching The Avengers for the first time. It's better and, than The Avengers, though. And like, I, I think it is. But here and here's the here's the difference. Yeah. Uh, I felt this way after watching Captain America the second time. And the second time I watched the Avengers, I was more tuned in to the flaws. I had the but same with, thing. But with the Winter Soldier, the second time I watched it, I still wasn't finding any flaw, you know, many flaws, if any. And I just think it's constructed so precisely. And it reveals exactly what it needs to reveal to you at the exact moment it needs to reveal it to you. There are enough twists and turns in the stories that uh, in the story that you're never expecting them and yet they always make sense and it's just I I was just um, I was blown away by how engaging and captivating this movie is it has the you know the big budget action stuff where you're just like yes you know it's got all that stuff and at the same time it's got the thinking stuff where you have to think oh is this person doing this is this how they're involved is this oh wait that's who is involved you know I mean it's just it's got all of that stuff that you love about the telling of a great story Add to that the fact that Captain America is my favorite superhero. What? You know, by this point, I just I love that character. When did that happen? Oh, the last two Captain America movies. Huh. Um, it's turning it's turning a lot of people toward him. Yeah. Um, I yeah, love. And you know, and today, and today, I've been, sorry, I gotta say this. I got a theory about that. I, my my theory is that's happening because Warner Brothers is not doing it for Superman. That that's uh. my theory. 
You are dead on on that. You are dead on because what has happened is superhero movies have turned towards the flawed superhero with the tragic past and you know everything is the human know, the human aspect and and that's fine. I get it, but ha can we just have the apple pie superhero who does the right thing, who has integrity, who makes the wise choices and that's who Captain America is. That doesn't mean he doesn't doubt. It doesn't mean he doesn't have, you know, internal struggles. But he is just a stand-up stinking guy, and I love that, you know. And you're right about them not going that way with Superman in the last movie, and so we don't even have that with Superman anymore, which we're supposed to. That's who Superman's supposed to be in a lot of ways. But we have it with Captain America, and man, his name is slipping my brain for some reason. But the actor who plays Captain America, um, yeah, yeah, Chris Evans, perfect. He's just so perfect for this role. So yeah. Um. Boy, you just said a whole bunch of different things. I'm like, where do I, where do I, where do I jump? Where do I go? Uh, so, um, th this is th this is a really rare movie in that it makes everything that came before it better. Also, like it's heightening those movies because of what it's contributing to them. Uh, there there are a lot of moments in this, uh, and again, I'm I'm very intimately familiar with these because. Because I'm because I'm, I'm I'm constantly having to live with them. Um, there there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in Winter Soldier that makes you look back at Iron Man two, Avengers, first Avenger, and and go oh that so that's why that was going on in that scene from a movie I saw three years ago. Well, that's there's cool. A lot of that in this movie and uh, like like especially with the ruling council ruling council whatever they're called the 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 uh, the, the, the council that kind of oversees shield um at the end of Avengers the shadowy guys mm -hmm. um the, the choices they make there with the whole like nuclear bomb stuff and all of that uh, makes a whole lot more sense after you've seen uh, uh, Winter Soldier. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Um, also, you know, Aaron, you were talking about how great the action is. Um, like I said, super, super thrilling. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time, but a lot of the reason for that is not just because brilliant choreography, all of that, but also all-serving story. It's at no point do I feel like the film degenerates into an action set piece. That that doesn't happen in this movie. It's always uh, not just always about something, but I'm always caring about the people involved. So there's a bunch of storytelling inside of of those of those action scenes. So it it's not just stuff blowing up. No, 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 and, and, it, and it never turn it never turns into that. And it is less that way than Avengers is. Makes uh, me hate the trailer even more then because. I don't know. Yeah, today, can we get off I the know. trailer? Cause, cause, no, cause, it's not a scene. It's the only thing I have to go off of. Sorry, I know, that is I know, really but, great, but... I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you what I'm always preaching with, with, with trailers, and that is a trailer is not there to tell you what is in a movie. It's not. A trailer it's supposed is, to make you want to go see it, though. A trailer is there to tell you, uh, to, to try to get you to see it. But hang on today, because here's the thing. They're I'm not talking... On. But they're not talking to you personally, and what you do is you see a trailer you don't like and you take it personally. Um, the 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 uh, here, here's the thing, okay? I saw the Ninja Turtles trailer, and I didn't like that trailer either. What their noses, huh? Yeah. Let let me finish this. The, the, the Ninja Turtles trailer is trying to get the huge Transformers crowd to go saying, look, this is going to be like Transformers because it's Michael Bay producing. They're going for least common denominator there because they know that every Transformers movie grosses at least a billion dollars. So they try to make it look like it's that. But if you read between the lines, what is actually going on in that trailer? When you have just like, there's like a, there's like a big antenna that falls down and they try to make it feel like the same tone as the whole city is exploding. They're just trying to get those people to go to the theater. So they're not trying to get you personally there, Danae. They're trying to get the, the wide, popcorn-eating, dumb, stupid, don't care about well, anything but things I going on. I have to just say, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're saying that it's not all about me. I just no. don't know if I agree with that. So, so you've got, so you've got to take movies on their own terms, you know. Um, what, Danae, because you are so selective, because yeah. you're the, you're, you're the kind of, because you're not, you're not a movie buff like me and Aaron are. Okay. So, so that's totally fine. The thing is, reviews. What Aaron Dicer does is for people like you. You see, so what, so what you do, so what you should be doing is you should wait until uh, a movie comes out and then watch 
five, six, seven reviewers that you trust and see if the movie sounds like something you would like as opposed to always going off trailers because trailers don't tell you what's in a movie. Trailers tell the mass audience to go see it. That's the difference. Anyway, that, I'm done with my soapbox. Well, and, right, and right now I'm going to tell the mass audience to go see Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it is, uh, I can't, I don't know the person that doesn't like this movie. I really no, don't. I, like, I've, tried to, I've tried to think in my brain, who in my circle, like I thought of my mom, I yeah. thought, you know, of, you know, my grandma, you know, like I'm, think, I'm trying to think, okay, who, who doesn't, and the only people I come up with are people who just will not watch a movie. They just don't like movies yeah, in general. I can't find anybody in that, I'm, that I think about. I can't find anybody in the Geekvolution community that doesn't like it. And these people are like, you know, with superhero stuff, I and mean, that's what we do. The, these these people are incredibly critical, and everybody seems to like this movie. It's gonna be like Dark Knight, where like a few months from now, you're gonna see a bunch of naysayers trying to to be like, well, this is like like this this was you know you know overly popular, and here's why. It's it's gonna be that kind of thing. Um, people just trying to kind of push against the grain. Uh, and I understand people people feeling like they have to do that, but it really is just that good. I mean, like, like, like for this kind of movie, um, the storytelling is really sophisticated. And one of the things that it does brilliantly is that it it uh, it makes you buy into the preposterous. Uh, it, it's 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 the kind of thing where um, there are crazy th comic book sorts of things that feel completely rational and logical within the context of the movie. And I, and in fact, I mentioned that in my review. It was my the one thing I try. You know, I always try to find something that I didn't like, you know, and call it the worst thing or whatever, and I talked about how it's not realistic. But at the same time, the movie is so perfectly consistent in how it portrays the world that you buy into it. It never feels like you're going, oh, really, like that would happen? Because you just believe that in that world, that's what happens. Uh, the only real, the only big complaint, uh, and it's not even that big, that I could come up with is... Uh, it's a little bit light on, um, I don't want to say backstory because it's supposed to be um, mysterious for, for Winter Soldier himself, but there are a few things that they think they've given you that go by so fast that if you blink you miss it, and in fact a couple things I missed, uh, for instance the uh, explanation for why Winter Soldier has one robotic arm but not two, uh, there is a, in a flashback, there is a flash to him in the past missing an arm. But, I mean, if you blink, you missed it. And it's one of those things where the uh, comic book audience going and seeing it already knows who Winter Soldier is. This is, by the way, uh, pretty recently adapted source material. We have jumped, historically, really far from the beginning of Captain America. We went back and told his backstory. We did the 40 stuff. And then we jumped to a story by Ed Brubaker from 2005. Uh, that's Winter Soldier. That's how recent the source material is, and uh, so so I the, the uh, so I have to be really careful in not spoiling stuff because for your general, for, I mean, sorry, for your for your comic book audience, everybody knows who Winter Soldier is. We've known this for ten years, and he's been a huge major player in the Marvel universe. He was especially important after they killed off Captain America um, well, in the comics, and so. Um, and so for for people that aren't them, for people that aren't me, uh, some, some of the general audience has to look at Winter Soldier and be like, you guys didn't give me enough of the back, of, of the, of the I don't, flashes and background, so there's got to be some of that. I, maybe a little bit. I don't know that that's true. I know for me, I didn't know who Winter, Winter Soldier was, and I know my, my son... Uh, who looked at me when we found out who Winter Soldier was and went, oh, "Are you serious?" I know he didn't know who yeah. Winter Soldier was, and uh, and so I think that's a great, you know, I you know I I don't I think they gave us the information we needed. Um, they did a great job of keeping that under wraps. I, I can't believe that a general audience was able to go to that movie and be surprised by that reveal because yeah. that's something comic fans have known forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's almost, well, this is a preposterous sort of thing, but that would be almost like if you spent a whole movie trying to, to trying to keep an audience from knowing that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Like, <laughs> everybody's going to, you know, so I was, I, was, I was really surprised they managed it. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Obviously, we both love the movie. John, did you have any questions about the movie as you hear us pour praise all over it? You guys have sold me on it. I'm excited to see it. If it ever opens in Kathmandu, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel for you, man. I don't. I don't know what I. I don't know what I would do in a country where I couldn't watch uh, the superhero movie on the weekends. There are ways, but we'll we'll leave that for another <laughs> another conversation. 
Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Some great conversation on Noah and Captain America and also just kind of in general how Hollywood and religion are trying to build bridges. And I, I really loved a lot of that stuff, John. Thank you for being with us all the way from the call. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, and, and man, feel free to check in sometime. Uh, this will be up on YouTube, obviously. If you want to leave a question there for John, uh, he can check back every once in a while and see and, and answer any question you have, uh, you know, being intimately involved in the making of that movie of Noah. So thanks again, and for the critic, uh, for the girl, and for the two geeks that joined us uh, today, uh, Captain Logan and John, uh, I'm the critic saying thank you, and um, don't find out who the Winter Soldier is if you don't know. Go to the movie to find out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.